um, you know, the depression was just that strong, had that, that much of a grip over me. And every day I'd go to work and I'd, you know, those thoughts would continue and it started to run its course to where, you know, maybe today I'll, uh, when I get off work, I'll just go into This is Camus. And this is Kylie. Welcome to God is Real, God is Good, a podcast where we collect stories about God working in people's lives through big miraculous ways all the way down to small everyday things. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of God is Real, God is Good. This week is me, Kylie, and I have with me Dale Granger. Um, He was on our Easter episode and now he is back again. Um, like we said previously, he we do help lead a youth group with him. And yeah, he's just kind of a friend. And so, yeah, you want to say hi to everybody? Hello, everyone. Glad to be here. <laughs> We're glad to have you. I hope my voice has some enthusiasm. I'm actually pretty excited. Oh, that's good to know. All right, but let's pray and then we'll, we'll go talk about his story. All right. Dear Father in Heaven, thank you for the chance to be here and just a chance to record Dale's stories. Um, please be with us as we do this. Um, let both of us speak the stories that the listeners, or the words that listeners need to hear and Dale the stories that they need to hear. Um, just let your name be glorified in all that is said and help them to be, um, see a clearer picture of you through this. And amen. Amen. All right, Dale, where are you from? Well, I kind of have a unique background, I guess. I was born in Washington, um, but my family, uh, my stepdad at the time, he was from Ohio. And so uh, when my mom married my stepdad, I was like eight months, nine months old at the time. And after they got married, we ended up moving to Ohio. We were in Ohio for about seven, eight years. No, I think it was seven years. And then we moved to Colorado for three um, and then after that three-year mark, uh, I was about 12 years old, and we moved to uh, here in Kamei, Idaho. Wow. Yep. So I've been in the area for quite some time now. Uh, I consider this to be my home and will probably be my future home. Exciting stuff. You yeah. live quite a bit of different places. Yeah. Idaho is probably the prettiest. I don't know, actually. Colorado's pretty. I haven't really been there, but... Um, it was pretty. It was, a lot of it was city city life. When I was with my parents, um, they're pretty much city folk. Oh. So, <laughs> like in Ohio, it was all city area. And then oh. in Colorado, it was all city area. Thornton, Colorado. That's one of the outskirts of Denver. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, it was definitely city life. Okay. So, then this is by far the prettiest. Yes. So, okay. Easily. Yeah. It's pretty... It's... I was going to say it's pretty, pretty, <laughs> but I will change my words. It's, it's really beautiful here. <laughs> there we go. Um, all right, Dale, did you grow up in a Christian home? What's your religious background like? Uh, I actually did not grow up in a Christian home. Uh, I am the only one in my family who is a Christian. Um, my parents, I mean, they have more of a liberal style background. Um, so a lot of their ideology is not in the biblical or it doesn't line up biblically. Mm. And so I was raised in an environment like that. Although it was interesting, I never really like adopted that ideology. I kind of always had my own convictions. I've always thought about things kind of on my own terms. Mm. Um, and I would be hesitant to make a decision on something if I didn't think it through enough. 
kind of so thing. So not just like go with the whim or what people tell you, but like right, right. I'm going to think about this. Yeah, I would always want to think about it, and um, so I never came to the conclusions that they did. Um, not because I had like just that instinct in me, but just because I just didn't think about it. Mm. So, um, and there would be things I would always like be the natural antagonist. So, um, when my parents would say something, I would immediately take the opposite approach (laughs) kind of thing, but not, not to like be difficult with them, but because I wanted to see what they were made of Mm. kind of thing, or like, give me some Kind of um, like like a debate, you know, like to hear both sides of the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so I would take, I would just naturally take the opposite side because I wanted to kind of probe, and that's how I gathered the information was by probing, in a in a way that was being difficult, we'll say. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as far as religious goes, yeah, because of that that background, um, you know, my grandma, I remember she was a churchgoer, and we never went to church until I moved to. Um, that's where my grandma was from. Uh, she was from here and, you know, she was going to church every week. And, uh, my mom at that point was thinking like, Oh yeah, it would be good to expose the kids to church. And so she would kind of like force us to go. I never <laughs> wanted to go, but she would force us to go. And like, how old were you at the time? I was 12. Okay. And that's your um, first time going to church. That'd be a little hard. You're like, uh, what is this? Like, yeah. Why? Yeah. It was kind why of now? odd. It was, it was odd. Um, you know, cause I'm as a 12 year old and of course every 12 year old would much rather, you know, having never been exposed to the church life. Uh, well, I'd just much rather stay at home and play video games or go, go to the park and run around with my friends or, or whatever. But didn't work out that way. So, uh, my grandparents would come by every week, pick us up, take us to church and I would do anything but pay attention. <laughs> um, my grandma was very involved though. She wanted to do like the whole Sunday school. Um, Sunday school was always before the church service and then we'd stay for the church service. She was a social butterfly. And so we'd stay even later, which was fine. Cause you know, I'd meet some of the kids and just run around and play with the kids. Um, but like the Sunday school, Boy, that was very difficult. I, I remember vividly being um, kind of a class clown kind of thing. Uh, just because if I'm kind of like bored of it, I would be bored of it if I didn't understand it or have like the want to understand it. Yeah. Right. So because I didn't want to understand, uh, I would take the I'm bored approach. And the I'm bored approach often was very disruptive and jokester kind of thing. So not uh not the most ideal kid uh, to be in your class <laughs> um, but yeah and you know after maybe when i was 6 yeah i was 16 um and my my mom was starting to kind of less and less be involved in the, our lives um just for whatever reason, I think it was when she got her nursing job. Oh, um, she's starting to go into Grangeville and work at Syringa, and um, just the way that her shifts would be, and she'd pull extra shifts, and so she just wouldn't be as involved. And my dad was always very passive, and so like very much not the social type, even with his own family, mm. you know, like if, if you were to engage him in conversation, you know, he'd engage with you, you'd, you know, you would always have fun. But, um, if I wasn't pursuing that, then it wouldn't happen. Mm. You know, it was like that. That's how passive he was. Um, so with my mom being less involved, um, and pretty much like our family started to divide right there. 
Um, we didn't spend a whole lot of time together. We were, uh, all the kids just kind of had their own thing going at that time. You know, that was right about the time that we what moved here. Um, so our family unit separated and we just lived like that. So by the time that I was 16, uh, none of us were super involved with each other uh, to the point that I could pretty much not go to church and get away with it. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. Like nobody would really question it. Um, so that's essentially what I did is like, of course I wouldn't want to go back there, but um, I would go for the youth groups because one of my faithful friends, his name was Kevin Davis. Um, he's the pastor of the Woodland Friends Church now. Um, but he would always encourage me to go to the youth group. Mm-hmm. Right? And because he was my friend, I knew him from school. Um, he would come pick me up and we would go. And it was there that I met one of my other friends. His name was Preston Vorhauer. And he was a musical guy. Um, I did not yet know how to play music, but um, it was shortly after that the pastor was trying to reach out in any way possible to get me more involved with the church. You know, God bless him for that. But, <laughs> um, but he kind of took me under his wing and, and wanted to teach me how to play guitar. Um, what kind of led up to that was he would come over and try and minister to our family. Um, and in ministering, of course, you know, we, we had Guitar Hero. He'd pick up Guitar Hero and love playing Guitar Hero. That's great. You know, That's or a rock band. You know. <laughs> you know, yeah, it was a great, great <laughs> ministry for sure. Um, but yeah, and so in being, you know, it, like, good at guitar hero no, i'm not gonna lie um you were or he was i was for okay. sure no he was too but um you know he had the idea well i should teach him real guitar all right and so he kind of took me under his wing taught me how to play guitar and the only songs that he ever taught me were like the praise songs that you'd hear in church ah. um you know so I, I never really like took the time to learn songs outside of church songs. You know, it's like, I'm just sticking with what was familiar, what I knew, um, and just kind of going with it. I only took lessons for about 10 months, um, picked up on it very quickly though. And all that guitar hero paid off. The guitar hero must have. <laughs> um, no, I just think I, I just was gifted with that natural ear to be able to hear the music and uh, kind of feel where it's going. And so it, I just picked up on it pretty easily. Got to the point where uh, I started writing my own songs. And I would always write songs with Preston from the youth group. All right, so we were still going to the youth group on a weekly basis. Um, and afterwards, um, Preston, he lived right behind the church. And so, you know, I'd go over to his house, maybe spend the night there. And we'd, you know, play songs for another hour or so into the night. Um, we wrote several songs together and, you know, there were, Preston was a pretty genuine Christian. He, um, it was always an encouragement to look up, look up to <clears throat> when it came to, um, like school matters, you know, obviously I wasn't doing that great in school. Most cause like the board thing being disruptive kicked in. I just wasn't interested or like engaged in learning the material. So of course I took the opposite approach of, uh, be disruptive. I mean, if you have to sit there all day. Yeah. <laughs> Needless to say, like, if you were to say, oh, he's a Christian kid, you're like, yeah, right. You know? <laughs> and uh, I did not consider myself to be a Christian at that time, mm-hmm. um, just because I was very ignorant of what Christian living even was. Or like, if you were to ask me, like, what's the gospel? I'm like, 
I don't even know what that word means, mm. you know, because I just never bothered to pay attention to any of the youth group messages or church messages. Um, fasting forward, got to the point where I graduated high school, started working in a meat room, and after a couple of years, um, that was Preston's graduation, right? And in that time frame, between 18 and 20, um, got some different friends outside of high school, of course, and they were not necessarily the greatest friends to have. Um, a lot of guys that they were supplying me with alcohol and mm-hmm. um, no drugs or anything like that, but definitely alcohol. And so I would get I would get involved in in drinking in my own home. I moved out when I was 18, just because my parents, um, my mom had been doing travel nursing. Um, she quit at the Grangeville Syringa Hospital and started doing travel nursing. wasn't involved in our in our home pretty much at all. <clears throat> and then uh, she ended up getting a permanent job in California. Oh, wow! In San Jose. So my dad decided, okay, well, if, you know, since she's going down there, she's going to be be there permanently. Um, he's going to move down there and pretty much gave me the option here of, well, do I go to California or do I stay in the area? Uh, wasn't really interested in going to California because this is what I knew. I knew the place here. Um, my friends were here. So uh, I stayed behind. They all went to California. All this happened in like a month's time. Um, there, there were actually people that knew that my parents were moving to California before I did. Oh, goodness. You know, so You're like, it was wow. like, yeah, communication was like <laughs> that bad in our family that um, you know, I had to hear from my boss at work. Like, so your parents moved to California, huh? Right. I'm like, what? I had no idea. How does my boss know about this before I do? Oh gosh, that's crazy. Uh, you know, it was, yeah, how he ended up knowing, I actually don't know. But um, yeah, communication was just not that great. Um, but yeah, so between the 18 and 20 time frame, um, didn't have the greatest of friends. They're supplying me with the alcohol. Um, didn't do any kind of youth group or church going at all during that time. Um I just found myself in some pretty questionable situations. Won't go into too much detail, but um, definitely not a good approach to life. Um, very damaging to my soul, even today. Like I still feel the repercussions of some of the things that I got involved in. Um, <clears throat> so after. Preston graduated. You know, he was my best friend growing up, the guy that I wrote songs with. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, like, through all this time, still remained to be, like, my one friend that I could truly go to with whatever I had. Um, you know, we had a lot of the same struggles. And, you know, so he was very understanding of uh, some some of my struggles. But that year, he when he graduated, um, he was going up to Moscow. He was going to pursue his dream to be a marine biologist. And he joined a fraternity up there. I think it was Lambakai. And his friends, his fraternity friends, um, it was Labor Day weekend. They were going to go to Dorshak Reservoir in Orfino. Um, they decided to, you know, go swimming up there and um, Preston had called me a couple days prior and, you know, said, Hey, I'm going up to the reservoir. If you want to come up, um, you know, I, I declined cause I had already plans in place for, um, being at Kamiai's barbecue days. They do barbecue days that same weekend. Uh, 
So I go to barbecue days and he's up at the reservoir and I was actually with his younger brother at the time and I can just remember, you know, things are going just normal. It's a normal barbecue days and I remember his parents coming and getting his younger brother. All right, and they were kind of in a hurry, like, hey, we got to go kind of thing. And, you know, it was very abrupt and didn't really think much of it. Um, but he left and I want to say maybe 15 minutes later, uh, his younger brother calls me up and he had said that Preston had drowned in the oh. reservoir. Oh, gosh. And so, I mean, that was shocking because I didn't quite, it didn't fully register, you know, at the time. I was kind of like in shock, like, um, is this real? Is this, did this really just happen? Um, kind of trying to process through that and um, took my emotions a lot longer to follow um, what that scenario was saying and um, told the rest of our friends that we were around. We all, we all had this good friend group and uh, told the rest of them. So we all decided, you know, we all loaded up in our cars and drove over to his house. And, you know, sure enough, there's family members oh, uh, that had shown up and um, everybody's there, everybody's crying. And it's like, wow, this is real. This, this really did happen. And, um, you know, it was just a really shaking time. Um, you know, and then going to his funeral was even even worse. And it kind of set me in a, a pretty crazy spiral of depression um, just because I really needed some valuable friends to talk to and didn't feel like there there was much. I mean, yeah, I had some friends. Um, but your main friend? But the main friend, you know, the one that had, like, we had that. Mm -hmm. you know? And so it was, it was just hard to... I'm trying to open that up to anybody else. Um, so I was starting to get really, really depressed and to the point to where I had some pretty dark thoughts, um, you know, contemplating even ending it all. Um, so I approached the pastor at the Nazarene church. She was the, that was the church that my grandma would always take me to. And, um, you know, I approached him with it and um, tried to have like a one-on-one -on -one counseling session with him. And, you know, he's a great counselor. But I definitely didn't get what I needed um, in any counseling sessions. Uh, so, you know, it's not really his fault. It was, I'm not necessarily sure. Maybe it was my own fault, my own pride kind of getting in the way. And like, like yeah, I'm seeking help. But at the same time, I don't want to get helped. Mm, yeah. You know? And so, um, you know, the depression was just that strong. Had that, that much of a grip over me. And every day I'd go to work and I'd, you know, those thoughts would continue and, you know, Priestone wasn't joking around at work anymore or it was you know, all business, you know, which necessarily isn't bad, but it, just uh, wasn't it brought you. the joy. Yeah, it wasn't me. It didn't bring the joy out in work. You know, it was just kind of there being a zombie stuck in my own thoughts and um, then eventually, you know, it started to run its course to where, you know, maybe today I'll, uh, when I get off work, I'll just go into it this day or that day, um, you know, every, every day I'd show up to work. Maybe this is the day, you know, by the end of the day, I'd kind of make my decision of yay or nay. And, uh, you know, finally it was a yay. Um, drove myself up Kidder Ridge, um, hiked over one of the, the hills, pulled off into a pullout, hiked over the hill, and I had a nine millimeter on me and I was just going to do it out there. And um, quite a bit of time had passed. I was probably up there for about an hour um, just thinking about it, like kind of shaking, like, am I actually going to do this? Is this really going to happen? Um, you know, it came pretty close, 
you know, like muzzle up, up to the head numerous times. And, um, you know, finally I just kind of gave up on it cause I couldn't, couldn't do it. Could not bring myself to following through. And so um, praise God, <laughs> yeah, right? No, for sure. Um, but I got back in my car and I went back home and, um, as I was going home, of course I'm crying at the time and couldn't, you know, I just had to figure out like I need something. I got to find something here because uh, nothing has helped me out thus far. And I did remember that when I was going to the youth group, um, there was a day that I was there that Kevin had brought in a box of Bibles, right? And they're like just cheapy, uh, <laughs> disposable Bibles, basically, yeah. you know, just real like two to $2 Bibles. Um, but he had passed them all out and, you know, he had wrote everybody's names in the youth group in each Bible and with a little note kind of thing, you know, I handed off to everybody. I never once opened the Bible. Yeah, I saw the note and I don't even remember what it said. You know, I paid no attention to the note. I was like, yeah. oh, that's cool. You know, <laughs> a nice personal note that I totally disregarded. <laughs> nice. Um, and then, you know, it was in a storage box in, in my storage room in my house. And I did not know exactly which box it was in, um, but I remember it was like, I, I need to find that real quick. And so I go into the storage room and I'm looking around and, you know, I saw one particular box, you know, stacks of boxes, you know, and I saw this one, it was um, closest, not closest to the door, um, but like the third row, second box up kind of thing. And I was like, okay, I think it's in that box and, you know, Sure enough, it was in there, like right on the top. Wow. Um, pulled out the Bible and I went up to um, the living room and kind of sat down. I'm shuffling through the pages, trying to I think like, I know I should be reading this, um, but I don't even know where to start because I didn't really know anything. I never paid attention to messages. I never paid attention to anything, right? So this is raw, like let's get to learning and uh, eventually landed in Ephesians, you know, so, you know, flipping through the pages, trying to figure out where to start, uh, had no concept of Old Testament, New Testament, you know, didn't know the difference between the two, <laughs> didn't really care that much, Yeah. Um, but flipped towards the end and saw Ephesians and thought, oh, that's a weird name. Obviously, there's a lot of weird names <laughs> for books of the Bible, you know. <laughs> All of them are a little bit weird. Yeah, yeah. you know, especially, you know, if you're not, not a believer, haven't really read the names of the books of the Bible, mm -hmm. um, you know. They all sound pretty weird, but I landed on Ephesians, and I was like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll just start here, and anybody that's read Ephesians for a good amount of time is like, wow, this is actually a pretty deep book. There's a lot to it, um, and I don't remember exactly what my questions about it were, but I remember writing a pretty detailed list of questions about the things that I was reading. You know, like, what does that mean, or wait, what is, what is this, what is, um, what is he trying to say here, kind of thing, and just wrote out a bunch of detailed questions and then I took it to that same pastor that counseled me, mm -hmm. um, took it to him and, you know, brought a notebook page full of the questions. Um, and then he answered some of them and then some of the answers that he gave, they were kind of like the, what we would call Christianese. Oh yeah. Right. Or it's like, well, that's just so basic. You know, it's like, there's, there's gotta be more to it than that. You know, like I'm craving a little bit more depth mm -hmm. in it. And so I'm starting to get more and more involved in like a Bible study without realizing that I'm doing a Bible study <laughs> right now. Um, You're coming with your own questions too. That's the, yeah. And so, um, after about a month and a half, maybe two months of this, it was, um, 
I was doing some cross-referencing, and there was a passage that cross-referenced me to the passage in John where it talks about the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us into all truth, right? Where he was guiding the disciples into all truth, right? But I was in that category where I'm being guided right now. But wait, how is the Holy Spirit guiding me right now? If like, do I have the relationship kind of thing? Like what it was talking about earlier here? Like, do I have this? Like, am I here right now? Kind of thing. And so I'm just questioning and questioning. And, you know, eventually it got to that point where I was like, oh my goodness, you know, like reality struck like a Mack truck, you know, and um, I just started weeping over like, wow, like I, how could I have been so foolish? Like my entire life and like pretty much everything just started to um, flood in all at once as far as like what I've been doing since being a teenager and how I've treated my family and how I've treated my friendships and, and how I was towards my teachers and how I was during the youth group and how I was during church services and, and uh, how I was towards people at work, and people that I didn't like, what it was like to them kind of thing. All of that was just like flooding in and to the point where I grabbed a notebook and I started writing well, all of the things that like, that God, I feel, was pressing upon my heart. Like I'm, I messed up in all of these areas. I'm, oh, wow. I'm writing out this list, and um, you know, I, I categorized it by people. You know, and I started with my family, started with my mom, um, and just anything that came to my mind, I would write what I am sorrow, like just sorrowful for wow. of the things that I was doing, and you know, my dad next, and then my sister, and then my brothers, and then um, some of my closer friends, and so on and so forth. And I had to call every single one of them. Well, you know, got to that point where I, I called up my mom and I'm crying the whole time. And I'm saying, I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for this. Um, and then call the next person, you know, still crying. Like, even when I was like, okay, calm down, call the next person. Oh, I'm not calm down anymore. Right? <laughs> it just reopens it they all. They say hello and you yeah. start crying. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No. Uh, yeah, and I remember that day, it was so powerful. You did it all in one day, all this calling? It was hours and hours. Oh. It was probably like a six hour period where like, I mean, like I had the day off, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what a way to spend a day off. Oh gosh. Um, but Talk about being like freed from that, you know, and um, I truly believe that that was the Holy Spirit leading and guiding me into, um, one, the truth that I was reading in scripture, and then the fact that he was bringing about, um, like, these are all the areas that I was very prideful in. Mm. I, was, I was pretty arrogant towards these relationships. I thought I knew better than all these people, and I didn't, um, and man, what a, what a reality check, a wake-up call. Um, and so that was really the springboard into the rest of my Christian living. Um, and on and off, I was kind of struggling with, um, I need discipleship, but there wasn't a whole lot of people around that craved it as, as badly as I did. Um, and so I, my Christian life, of course, would be in waves of, you know, I'd do really well for a while and then kind of taper off. Like, I'm not as strong as I should be, um, be strong again and then not so strong again. And I was kind of tired of that pattern. Mm -hmm. um, and some friends that I had met uh, when I was 20, I think I was 22 at the time. Um, I met them in the park 
and they were starting a Bible study. You know, I was going to the Bible studies, and they were pretty hardcore. Like, they knew their stuff. And I was very attracted to the fact that they knew their stuff. And they had shared with me some of their experiences. And their, one of the uh, family members' experience was at a Bible school in Colorado. Uh, it was called Ellerslie. It's about a mile, or not a mile, an hour south of Denver. And so I started to look into it, and um, I applied for the school. I was working in the prison at the time in Orfino, and applied for the school. Um, they had me answer these questions in your application, right? And one of those questions was like, define the gospel. And, you know, thinking about it, it's like, uh, hmm, how do I answer this? And I remember just putting like such a pathetic, I look back oh. at it now. It's like, <laughs> I am so pathetic, but I remember putting the story of Jesus Christ, like just a blanket statement like that. The story of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Good you enough. Know, yeah. It's like, that's, that's all I got. <laughs> um, that was the only question I remember though. No, but there were several other questions that were kind of like trying to get an understanding of like how much Christian knowledge do you have right now? Um, and I ended up getting accepted into the school. Of course, I'm pretty sure everybody just gets accepted. But, um, <laughs> they just want a starting point. But they, to know. Yeah, yeah. You know, but they really focus on the discipleship aspect of it. And I decided, you know, like for sure, I am going to the school. Um, put my two week notice in at the prison, and I did not have the money to go to school at the time. Oh wow! And so I was taking some risks. Um, you know, even my boss pulled me in. Was, kind of like, okay, so what do you, what's your plans? You know, kind of do an out processing thing. And, you know, I told him like, well, I'm going to go to Colorado. I'm going to go to this Bible school. Like, oh, how much does it cost? It's like, well, it costs this much. And I don't have that much, but I know for a fact that like, I'm, I have to go. Like it's impressed upon me. I don't feel like there's another option here. Um, and so, I mean, she thought it was crazy. Probably. Yeah. Like, <laughs> of course, anybody. Money, yeah. You're every, just going to up and go. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, just, it's just not logical <laughs> um, to do that. It's not a wise idea, but, you know, God definitely provided, you know, the funds came from different places. People that didn't know that I had need um, that provided for the needs. And, you know, I was able to go two days before I went or I was leaving. Um, already bought my plane ticket and everything. And, um, I was packing up my tent because I had full intention of, well, I couldn't afford to be on campus, you know, but I could afford the off campus. There's a park nearby kind of thing. Like, I'll just set up my tent if I have to, you know, like just I'll, I'll figure park. it out, you know, and it's winter time in oh, Colorado, gosh. you know, so it's like, this is going to be miserable, but I'm okay with You're that. You're probably going to freeze to death. Probably. Yeah. Probably. But, but I had some pretty heavy duty, um, winter sleep gear. Okay. You know, so <laughs> so you'd I was, be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Supposedly. Um, <laughs> supposedly. Yeah. <laughs> but I was, I was preparing for it. Um, it was going to be several months of being there. And I went, um, it, yeah, it was two days before I got a phone call from a guy. Um, his name was Leonard and he said, Hey, I was talking to the school and they said that you might need a place to stay while you're there. Right. And I was kind of like, well, actually, yeah, you know, told him I like I'm thinking about sleeping in a tent while I'm there. It's like, oh, you don't have to do that. Um, I'm going to offer up a room for you for a hundred dollars a month. Well, right. And it's insanely cheap. Yeah. And just provision from the Lord. And, you know, he was providing breakfast. 
Whoa. You know, so I've seen people know, like rent out their rooms in their basement, just the room for like $400 a month. Right. It's a room. Right. And it's, you know, there's, I was looking at renting prices at other places, you know, and you know, the closest ones were like a mile away and I wasn't going to have a car. Mm. And so, um, you know, I was just like, I don't know how this is going to work, but you know, his house was like two blocks away. Oh. And I mean, it was a shortcut to cut right through the park and right down to the school. Um, and it was just ideal. Everything about it was ideal. And, uh, you know, praise the Lord for his provision. You know, he provided a hundred percent for that. And oh. boy, that really rocked my Christian world. Yeah. When um, God really, wants you to do something, he makes a way. Oh man. You're like what? Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's really interesting to think about where would I be if I, I didn't have that time of, um, just like separation from distractions. You know, they had really strict rules. Um, they would shut off the internet to where, you know, you don't have internet access except for like this hour in the day. And also in this hour of the day, like that's your time. Like if you want to call your family or your loved ones, um, you know, that's the time to do it is in this window. You know, but all the other times, like you're pretty well, I mean, you got homework, you got reading assignments, you got, you're kept pretty busy. Um, and that's just like the basic semester, right? They had an additional semester, the advanced semester that, uh, I also felt like I needed to stay for, you know, by the end of it, you know? Um, and you know, lo and behold, like provisions were there, you know, it's like, I really want to do the advanced one and, you know, check the bank account. I don't know how, but there's money in there. And wow. I've been in the school for two and a half, three months. And I don't know how, like I had no income. <laughs> you know, so like, how did I have money in my account? Um, but, you know, the Lord provided. So I stayed for the advanced semester, you know, which was another two months. And in that advanced semester, that is what really set the catalyst for the rest or like even where I am today. Because um, in the advanced semester, the first semester, that's all like they're giving you the sessions, right? They're kind of... The analogy was that they're kind of dipping your toes in the water, mm -hmm. right? Kind of see how it goes. You know, yeah. maybe your feet get submerged and, you know, you're kind of like slowly walking out and like, okay, I kind of see what's going on here. Um, and then the advanced semester was like, okay, now you're, you're walking deep enough out into the, into the water where you're kind of swimming. You're actually floating, mm -hmm. right? And um, um, another analogy was, well, they're digging uh, to show you that there's buried treasure here. Right. They're the ones that are digging. You're kind of watching like, wow, mesmerizes the fact that there's buried treasure there. Right. The advanced semester was now you're the one digging and finding the treasure. Right. So, and that's really what they emphasized, which was my strong suit was to dig for information and to find it, that's you cool. know, dig and find. And, uh, you know, there's that verse in Proverbs where it's the glory of God to conceal the matter, but it's the glory of Kings to search a matter out. And boy, that really rang true in this semester. Uh, every week was themed. Um, week one, we'd have to do Philippians. We'd have to like look through Philippians. And, um, you know, he was really gracious saying like every day we had to write 50 questions, 50 observations about just the oh, first chapter. Right. A lot. And then the next day it was 50 observations, 50 questions about the second chapter. Right. And so I'm trying to, obviously I'm like going full throttle on the assignment, right? And so I got to 50 questions by the third verse. Oh, wow. You know, so it was, <laughs> it's going so far. And it was like, I still have the rest of the chapter to do, you know? And so I want to say like seven hours, you know, cause I'm working into the night too. Um, 
and so are some of my roommates. Um, they were because you wouldn't let them sleep. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, because they were they were doing it too. You know, and like yeah. we kind of bounce the questions off of each other, and they'd be like, you know, I'd, he'd be telling me the questions that he was coming up with. Like, wow, that's a really good point. You know, I'd put that in, right? And then um, you know, I'd share some of mine. It's like, wow, I didn't really like. I didn't even think about that. You know, we punch that one in, right? So we're bouncing things off of each other, and, and it's not like a this is dragging on for seven hours. Like, oh, this is so, no, we were excited about this. Like, this is a, this is a cool assignment, you know, to the fact that we're spending seven hours on this thing. Um, the next day, we were a little bit less enthusiastic about <laughs> spending seven hours because I don't remember how many questions we came up with, but it was in the 200s. Oh. I remember that um, for the, um, the whole chapter. You know, when you get halfway through the chapter, you're like, well, I got to speed things up. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. Just rush to get to the end. But uh, yeah, it was, there was quite a bit and observations, you know, just as much, just a ton. Um, but that was the environment that they were setting up for us was learning to find it and basically turning you into scholars. Yeah. Right. And so um, I've pretty much took the things that I learned in that discipleship school back with me and I've uh, been, you know, kind of formatting all of my studies after how I did it there. And um, even on my own, like, I just, I like it. Yeah. I really you like, like asking it. questions. Yeah. I love it. Um, you know, to the point that, you know, like for the youth group, you know, a lot of the youth messages that we come up with, um, it's birthed out of the disciplines and the patterns that I learned at the school. You know, so I've, I've taken that my entire Christian, Christian life. So, yeah. Well, it sounds like you've always been a question asker. Now it's just about the Bible. Nope. Yeah. No, it's appropriately, um, applied. Yeah. <laughs> I have a good application for it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's cool. Well, your story is a lot more emotional. I didn't come, well, I came prepared to cry because of, Work, but um, I didn't come prepared to feel like I should cry because of your story. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now I gotta go ball for real now. No. <laughs> uh, no, but before I close, did you have any other stories you want to share? Any last thoughts you want to leave the listeners with? Um, does it have to be emotional? No, no, <laughs> no please, no more. <laughs> yeah, because there's you don't have tissues out here, so no, that's yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> touche. So, well, um could say, I guess the story of working with youth. There was a kid, uh, his name was Jaden. Um, had a really special connection with this kid because he was pretty much like me. Um, picks up on things pretty quickly if he wants to. You know, but he's not interested. He's very disruptive. You know, he had a lot of the same behavior things that I did when I was a kid. So like, oh, it's me. <clears throat> yeah, pretty much. as a younger me. And so, I uh, really wanted to take him under my wing and um, I remember he wasn't necessarily like the most popular kid. And so he knew that, uh, that made him kind of pretty depressed about like, well, I just don't have any friends that are his age. And he ended up like wanting to be friends with, with me, yeah, which is fine. It's really awesome. And to the point, like he just, he made it pretty clear, like, I want, or I feel like I only have a good connection with older people, right? Because only the older people are going to give them the time of day to, to listen. Mm -hmm. you know, people that are a little more mature and can kind of handle his Jadenisms. Um, but I remember 
he wanted to hang out more and more. And so it got to the point where, you know, three times a week, you know, hanging out with him. And which, you know, it's not a drag. <laughs> I didn't mean to make it sound like it was a drag, you know, because I enjoyed it. I genuinely enjoyed my time with him. Um, you know, and my heart always went out to him because, you know, he's not getting this anywhere else. And, you know, he doesn't necessarily have like the strongest father figure. Um, and so he needed something. And, you know, I just felt God was impressing upon me like I needed to be that person. And, you know, at the time I was already like trying to weave good disciplines into my life. Like I need to learn to cook. I need to learn to do mechanical things on like my vehicle, learn to do the upkeep, learn to uh, just be a productive adult. Mm -hmm. You know, for um, whenever I do get married, I would, I would be a useful husband. <laughs> you know, I would, I would have already learned the things that would be a blessing to my wife and my kids. Um, and so I was wanting to kind of instill that same vision into Jaden, you know, cause I, I understood that later mm -hmm. in life um, to where it's like, man, I had a whole youth that I could have, you know, been using wisely and I didn't, you know, so like, but, but if he could, you know, so I started to teach him things, you know, he'd come over and, um, you know, we'd do some cooking I'd show him how to do like food prep and, um, you know, he was, he was learning a lot. He was just excited to kind of hang out with me and, you know, he was just absorbing it like a sponge. And even all of the, like the times that we did do Bible studies and um, the phrases that I would say, you know, like he, he took those to heart and he would even like quote those phrases six months later um, where he still remember, oh yeah, don't you remember? Like we were talking about this and uh, you'd said, you know, this phrase and um, it's like, wow, he remembers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this, I knew he was listening. Um, so it was always just an encouragement. Years later, um, yeah, like two years later, um, we were at a winter retreat and, you know, he had told me, he's like, I finally, like, I came to this realization that I am saved. Like, God loves me. Mm -hmm. I am saved. And like, I was so proud of him. Um, and then, you know, three months later, uh, word kind of got to me that um, Jaden had been getting picked on school and that friends were telling him to kill himself, things like oh, that, wow. right? Um, just dark. And kind of wasn't sure how to handle that situation. And so um, kind of got some counsel from some of my friends, Jeff Swan and Johnny Schuster, kind of pulled them aside and kind of asked them, like, well, this is what I heard. Um, I was like, I want to treat this like seriously and, you know, not sure how to approach it. And so kind of sought counsel from them. And, you know, they were kind of telling me, well, if we, if you approach it, like, you know, make sure that it's true first. And then if it's true, um, you know, make sure you're safe, like right now, um, kind of assess, like, does he need, do like parents need to be notified? Do like, who needs to know about this kind of thing? So, okay. Um, you know, and I kind of briefed some of my friends, Jake Squires and, um, yeah, I think it was just Jake and kind of briefed him on what was going on and, uh, brought Jaden to the church and, kind of got him to talk about it a little bit and you know sure enough like yes friends were telling him that and he kind of described it as if like yeah you know you know I thought like yeah maybe I will but you know didn't really have like any kind of plan or anything in place you know so it was maybe just like a passing thing and that was my assessment was that it was kind of just uh yeah maybe I will but likely I'm not going to mm -hmm. um, and so you know I took that and it's okay 
I don't think anybody needs to be notified. Reported back to Johnny and uh, and Jeff what I had understood about that, and you know they were kind of understanding. Okay, well that's not bad. So we'll kind of rush along and then uh, kind of keep him or keep an eye on him essentially, make sure that he's still doing okay. I had a training to go to that next week, and so I was gone for a ten day period. On um, that ten day period was over spring break. And so all of spring break that he was out of school, um, I wasn't there to spend any time with him. And he was really looking for that, looking forward for that time. Mm-hmm. And um, when he, you know, he called me while I was in the field and uh, couldn't, I mean, you know, I talked to him on the phone. I was like, hey, sorry, man. Like, I'm not going to be back until, you know, late Sunday night, mm-hmm. you know, which is a school night for him. Yeah. You know, because school was going to kick off that next Monday. And, um. You know, so yeah, I can kind of hear like how bummed out he was over the phone. Um, two days later, um, we got back into Orfino. We had to spend the night there. Uh, it was like commander's orders. And Kelly Wilson, she was um, she's awesome Christian lady. She was spending time, or she always spends time with the family. And she had called me up, and she was crying. She said like Jason had, or Jaden tried to hang himself. And, um, you know, he was breathing, you know, he was rushed to the ER, um, but had a faint pulse. And so you know, I was kind of thinking like, oh my goodness, like that same shock feeling that I felt with Preston, um, was kind of like coming in again. And when, um, Kelly, you know, she said she was going to keep me in the loop, called me back 15 minutes later and Jaden was gone. He had passed away. And I was pretty destroyed at that because, I mean, there was a huge, Jaden was a huge part of my life at that point. Um, you know, he had told me before, it's like, I'm like his third dad. God was his first dad. And then his stepdad was his second dad. And then I was like number three mm-hmm. in his like, father figure lineup. You know, and like I really took that deeply, you know, and I really felt like, like if I had a kid, um, I would be, like the way that I treated Jaden uh, was the way that I would treat my kid and really just trying to invest and invest and pour into. And man, it was what a, a letdown pretty much to the point like, and he talked about doing this and I made the wrong assessment. Um, yeah. Like what I did, like if, if I knew better, you know, so I started to like blame myself for yeah. what was, uh, what had ended up transpiring and, that kind of like made me get out of youth ministry for a while, like several years. Um, and actually like this, what we're involved in right now, like this is actually the first wow. time back into youth ministry since that time. And he's been, you know, this has been several years ago. Yeah. And, um, it's like three or four years. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of off and on like affects how much do I want to invest, you know, to the point like, like I really struggle with this. And so the reason why I'm sharing this is because like I'm not a finished product and God, God is definitely trying to um, weave things into my character and how I think about things and just build into me, making me more Christ-like, you know, one of those areas that there was a chink in the armor was, uh, was this area where trauma kind of kicks in and, um, you know, like, I, I don't think I've ever had to deal with something for this long mm-hmm. um, to the point, like, 
it's almost 10 times harder for me to have a personal connection with anybody because of what's happening. Yeah. That this event, and it seems like it points back to this event. And so that's been on my heart for <clears throat> quite some time. Um, is not having the ability, like, I don't know if a pattern changed in my brain to where it's just hard to do it. Like I want to have a personal connection and I want to, um, like be emotional with people, but it's becoming so difficult to do that. And I don't want to fake it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know. It's interesting, but I definitely need God's intervening on a daily basis to uh, change the patterns that my brain has created. Yep, yeah. has created, and that you know, it's I created that without him, you know, because I tried to handle it in, in the flesh, and uh, you know, flesh does not drive out the flesh. <laughs> no, <laughs> in, in any means, I think Paul says that. But <clears throat> anyway, yeah, so. Um, all the listeners out there, if they wanted to pray, um, you know, cause I still need prayer for that. So, well, that's my story. Um, that's where I am today. And, and that was another sad story. Even. I'm sorry. I, I didn't want to be emotional, but at the same time I was like, well, this is what God's really no, been. It's, if it's what God's telling you to share, don't let me get in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but no, I appreciate you being so like open with like everybody and just sharing, you know, like, you know, even with our life with walk with God and stuff like, you know, we get down, life hits us, and sometimes, you know, that's what brings us to God, and sometimes it, like, it affects us with God and stuff. But, oh, thank you for what you all shared. I liked it. I appreciate it. I think I'm going to end your recording now. So, thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. Okay, bye. If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to follow, share, like, and review. Also, you can contact us at our Facebook page, that is God is Real, God is Good Podcast, or you can email us at God is Real, God is Good Podcast at gmail.com. Bye!